Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to UAP. That's right, finally, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener right here for episode 68 of UAP. And it feels so great to be back with you on another episode, especially one that covers one of the hottest topics in the UAP world right now, which we're going to go over today, and that is the Mosul Orb. So what is it? (laughs) Who does it belong to? Why that location in Mosul? And does the government know more about it than they are willing to admit? Isn't that always the golden question, right? And there are so many questions to explore with this event of the Mosul Orb, and we are going to cover all of them today because I spoke to my military contact about this, and I have some some uh, information that is not being mentioned anywhere else. And that's actually one reason why, uh, by the way, that this episode didn't come out sooner, just so you know, I was doing, uh, you know, so, some digging, a little info gathering there, having conversations and talking about these things and learning things um, so I could properly talk about this with you and give you information that you may not have heard. Actually, I'm almost positive that you haven't heard before. And also, at the end of this episode, I'm going to let you in on uh, what I've been working on behind the scenes. If you were following along, I kind of teased uh, this what I'm talking about right now about, you know, letting you in on behind the scenes. I teased that on uh, the UAP Twitter account earlier in the week at UAPodcast850 on Twitter. So I'm really excited about it, and I think you're going to like it too, hopefully. It is it is good. Uh, it means, well, I won't get into too much right now. We'll get into it at the end of the episode. But uh, another thing that I was working on behind the scenes was having this conversation with my military contact to... Um, have the information that and the the knowledge that I needed to talk to you about the Mosul Orb in this episode. So a lot was going on behind the scenes, and you'll be caught up by the end of this episode on everything. And part of it being just getting the information of what we're talking about right now. But first, we before we get into all of that, I should say, let's first get into our factoid. You know, we got to get into the factoid. Factoid. Ah, yes, there it is. So. There's been a lot of chatter. This is kind of something interesting here on the factoid today. Um, There's been a lot of talk about this thing called the Chuck Clark video and what that is. They've been talking a lot on social media. If you haven't been keeping up on it, it's supposedly a super compelling UFO video that would show some supposed undeniable evidence of an alien spacecraft. And a guy named Chuck Clark claims to have this video. But he's never released it for reasons that I guess only 
he can attest to. That said, there is now a very unlikely source who says he has a copy of that video and will release it when he feels the time is right. Now get this, according to none other than social media megastar Logan Paul of, you know, the Paul brothers, Jake Paul, he does boxing. Logan Paul, if you're not familiar with him, he's, again, social media megastar, YouTube, has a podcast. He's actually in the WWE, he was part of WrestleMania. I mean, the guy's everywhere. He says he has this Chuck Clark UFO video that a lot of people have been talking about. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're, you're familiar with Logan Paul like I am, my question is, maybe it's your question, are we really supposed to believe what Logan Paul has to say about this? And listen, you know, maybe you may might be thinking like I was at first, maybe he's just doing this for attention, right? Do it for the clicks, do it for the views, the downloads. But I think it's at least fair to hear him out and consider what he has to say about the whole thing. It's fair, isn't it? So according to Logan Paul, he says he met with Chuck Clark at his residence to offer him $100,000 in order to obtain this video. Logan Paul wanted exclusive rights to this video, and he was willing to to pay $100,000 for it. But the thing is, is that Chuck Clark refused the money, didn't want to sell. This is according to Logan Paul, who also told uh, James Fox about this, the famous UFO investigator, James Fox. And he actually, James Fox, kind of alluded to this on a Joe Rogan podcast. So this story has kind of been picked up in, in you know, a lot of different places recently, which is why I wanted to let you know about it in case you hadn't heard. Here's the thing. Logan Paul then asked if he could at least see the video since Chuck Clark wouldn't sell it. Clark decided that he would be okay to at least show Logan Paul the video. What Clark didn't know was that Logan Paul was secretly recording the video on a hidden camera that he had on a button on his shirt. I kid you not. This is according to Logan Paul. He tells the story. He also says that the video, he does have the, he does have the video because he secretly recorded it and he's going to release it when he feels the time is right. Now, he also says he's not scared to release it, but he's waiting for, quote, more. What does more mean? Well, he says he wants more before he releases the video. What does he mean by that? I'll let him explain because he actually spoke about this this whole topic um, on his podcast, which is called Impulsive. And you can listen to what he had to say about uh, this whole thing right here. The footage is compelling, not convincing. It's from 1995. The tape had been worn down. It's been played probably over 100 times. And so the quality is not great. It's not enough it doesn't have enough meat on the bone and proof for me to put it out confidently, confidently and be like, this is, the, this is legit UFO footage. So I guess there you have it right there. I mean, he feels like it's not, uh, not enough evidence to put out until he can get it maybe further verified because he did go on to say that he did find one part of the video hard to explain. If nothing else, he found one part of the way this uh, UFO in this video was moving. He thought that was kind of weird, so maybe that was an indication that it is a real video, but he's not 100% sure. In fact, he says that he would like Bob Lazar himself to come and help in trying to verify this video before he would release it. By the way, Chuck Clark, the original owner of this video, I guess it said that he got the video from somebody else, but he has, you know, the video that Logan Paul recorded from, I guess is the best way to say it. He says he's going to sue Logan Paul if he actually does release it. Honestly, this is a strange story, and I'm not really sure what to make out of the whole thing, but 
I'm going to keep an eye on it because it is, it's, it's kind of intriguing. It's kind of interesting, if nothing else. So we'll see what else comes from this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. But now on to the main course, the Mosul Orb. So there's a good amount to go over here with this one, if especially if you're not familiar with it. So we're going to take it one step at a time and first answer the question, what the heck is this thing all about anyway? Why, what is the Mosul Orb? Why am I talking about this? When did it happen? What does it mean? So we're going to answer all that. The Mosul Orb is an orb-shaped UFO slash UAP, whatever you want to call it these days. It was filmed flying over the town of Mosul, Iraq, back in 2016. The footage was captured by an MQ-9 Reaper drone. It was surveilling the area, and it just happened to fly through the frame of this drone as it was, you know, kind of flying over and recording the ground. In the video, you can see what looks to be like a metallic sphere that just really just kind of suddenly comes into the frame and then zooms by as the drone is filming that area. So if you can imagine, the drone is higher than the Mosul orb. And in fact, in the video itself, the orb looks like it's flying very low. There's no... Um, well, I shouldn't say indication, but but there's no confirmation is the word I'm looking for that tells us exactly how high the Mosul Orb looks. It's hard to tell in the video. It could be, you know, an, an illusion that's just because of the angle. It looks like it's flying, you know, right over the ground. It could be a thousand feet up in the air, 500 feet up in the air. We're not really sure how high this thing was. What we do know is that the drone is looking down on it because that's the angle of the camera. And in case you have not seen this video, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I will post it on the UAP Twitter account at UAP850. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I get getting it wrong. At UAP Podcast 850, you would think I would get that right. At UAP Podcast 850 um, on Twitter is where you can find the UAP Twitter account. And so, if you haven't seen the video, if you're not 100% familiar with it, I will uh, post it there so you can see exactly what I'm talking about to go along with, uh, you know. The, the conversation here. So this MQ-9 drone, it starts to follow the orb with its camera. And it lasts about 10 to 15 seconds before the orb finally flies out of the frame and then the footage ends. Now, this sighting and the footage have recently been declassified, okay? and it's But it's still being investigated as a literal unidentified flying object. They don't know what it was and it was flying. It's an unidentified flying object. So that's the main background there. And to be perfectly honest with you, I just in the interest of full disclosure, because that's what I'm all about here, unlike the government sometimes when it comes to this, this conversation, I first came across this footage about five or six months ago, maybe a little bit longer, but somewhere in there. And my first thought when I saw it was that it had to be fake. It just, it just looked unbelievable. Like, what was I seeing? This, this silver orb, this, you know, silver ball, this sphere flying over... The, the, this town of Mosul in Iraq, I'm just supposed to believe that's true? I mean, how could something like this be caught by a drone and then the video would end up on social media? It had to be fake. That's the only reason why, quite frankly, I hadn't covered it already. Like I said, I saw this about six months ago or so. But then 
Arrow came along. The All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Their testimony with Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick a few weeks ago, he came out and actually uh, verified this video because he made it part of the testimony. So in case you forgot, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick is the head of the government task force that is now in charge of investigating the UAP phenomenon. He legitimized, or I should say, he legitimized the Mosul Orb story for me personally because he made it public while speaking to the Senate committee. I mean, you would think he's not going to bring out, you know, something fake or something that would be a, a fake video that was floating around on social media and he would use that as actual evidence to say, here's something we're investigating. That's not going to happen. It has to be a verified video by by the, you know, the government, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, all that good stuff for him to to, you know, submit that to present that to the Senate committee. So. To me, once that came out, it really did kind of legitimize the entire thing for me just a few weeks ago. Now, I know that might sound like I'm, I'm kind of contradicting myself because if you remember on the previous episode, episode 67, I mentioned how I wasn't happy with his statement during during this exact hearing because uh, he, he, in my opinion, he downgraded independent investigators and podcasters like me or you by essentially saying we should leave it up to the adults to find the answers. Now, obviously not in so many words there. I'm kind of summarizing. But nonetheless, I found his comments to be you know, kind of a little arrogant and degrading at that point. But that doesn't change the fact that he is still the UFO chief, as he has been dubbed by the media. So if he finds a video or encounter that's compelling enough to bring to the table of a Senate hearing, then that's something that's still really, you know, it's a really big deal. So at that point, that that's really when my feelings changed about this whole thing, about the Mosul Orb, about the video that I had been seeing for months. It really made me feel like, okay, this is the real deal, so what is it now? Now it's time to talk about it. All that said, here's a little clip of what uh, Dr. Sean K- uh, Kirkpatrick had to say about the Mosul Orb during his testimony, because th- this is him narrating. You're going to hear him talking about uh, the video, and they're showing the drone video to the Senate committee as he's talking about it. So here's how he kind of described um, what they saw as the video was taken. You'll see it uh, come through the top of the screen. There it goes. And then the camera will slew to follow it. You'll see it pop in and out of the field of view there. This is essentially all of the data we have associated with this event from some years ago. It is going to be virtually impossible to fully identify that just based off of that video. All right, so sorry to jump in there. Um, he's saying virtually impossible to identify everything they need to know just based off of, off of that video. That's the first thing that jumps out to me because that tells me that he's admitting, yes, this is a UFO. We do not know what it is. We need to investigate it more because it is an unidentified flying object. So to hear that at a Senate committee hearing is pretty jarring. I mean, you, we're not used to hearing things like that. And maybe that doesn't go covered a lot in the media. Maybe we take it for granted, but that's a pretty darn big deal to hear that in a Senate committee hearing. That's number one for me. Number two, and this is the part where my military contact comes into play because he's lying. When he says, I mean he, I mean Dr. Kirkpatrick there, when he says this is all the data that we have to go off of, that's not entirely accurate, okay? That's the part that um, really was kind of a game changer for me on this because that's not true according to what I've been told. They are covering this incident up to a certain degree, just like they have in the past with other famous encounters 
Just name them. Okay, I'm sure you can think of three or four right off the top of your head about things that have been covered up, but we've talked about a lot of them here on UAP. Now, I know that's a big accusation to make. Trust me, I know that you know when it comes to calling somebody a liar or they're not being fully truthful, okay, they're leaving things out, that's a big accusation to make. And I know that I'm always a big proponent of for saying that you should make up your own mind about these stories that we always talk about, and I still think that. Of course, that's always my my way of thinking coming into each and every episode with you. But I'm also going to tell you why I feel confident in saying that there is more to this story than Dr. Kirkpatrick and Arrow and everybody else involved in the government on, on these things. There's more to it than they are letting on. And it all has to do with the conversation that I mentioned earlier that I had with my military contacts. So this is going to be a little different because I obviously can't play sound of our conversation for you. Um, there isn't, you know, a bunch of stories and everything that I'm going to go through today. This is really the focus of the episode and the conversation that I had with my contact and the information that I gained about the Mosul orb. Now, the best I can do is relate to you what we spoke about. Like I said, it's not like I can play a recording of a conversation, but you're going to hear the, some of the details, um, that we spoke about during our conversation that I can relate to you that I was given and then you can make up your mind from there, okay? So according to my source, Arrow there, right, the old domain anomaly resolution office, and Dr. Kirkpatrick, they absolutely know where the orb went after the footage ended, and they have more data than they are letting on. Again, this is something, what I'm going to present to you here today is something that you haven't heard anywhere else, and most likely you won't hear anywhere else. And the reason why I'm being told that they have more footage and more data than they're letting on is because the U.S. military has sensors all around that area in, in Iraq. To explain, the one example my source gave me was how they were able to track down insurgents um, who used to launch mortars at them from pickup trucks and then speed away. And my source saw this firsthand because they were there in Iraq during, you know, the height of, of a lot of the fighting when it came to the war there. But because of the tracking technology, the U.S. military was able to ha have those vehicles and the occupants uh, neutralized before the mortar even hit the ground. So imagine that, okay? And by the way, this this episode might be a little bit shorter than, than what you're used to, but I guess you already know that because you're seeing how long it is, but I'm seeing it as I'm talking right now. So whatever works, right? Um, but the U.S. military is able to have these vehicles, I'm going to say this part again, the vehicles and the occupants neutralized before the mortar even hits the ground. Okay, that's the type of technology that we're dealing with here that the U.S. military had and has in that area and in any other area, really. So the tracking capability is definitely there. Okay, that's what I can tell you. First-hand knowledge from my source, that's what I'm being told. Now, my source went on to tell me that they know how and where to look when it comes to the orb. And that goes back to what Dr. Kirkpatrick was saying, that this is all the data they have to go on. This, this 10 to 15 second video of this silver metallic looking orb flying over the streets of Mosul, Iraq. That's all they have. Nothing else. Nothing else to see here. But according to my source, they absolutely were able to follow this orb longer and gather more data than they're willing to admit. Then may that may not surprise you, 
But I'm telling you, that's what I've been told by someone with operational knowledge on how these things work and how they are investigated. Okay? So this is why, again, just to reiterate why um, it took me a little bit longer to come out with this episode because I had to gather this information and put it together for you so you could be up to date. Now, that would mean to me if they did have more data and they're able to follow this thing longer and have more video of it, that means there is some type of secret footage out there that they are covering up as well. All we're seeing, we're, we're seeing basically the tip of the iceberg, okay? Think of an iceberg in the ocean. There is the tip, but under it is this giant thing. The 10-second video of the Mosul orb is the tip of the iceberg, and they're telling us that that's the entire iceberg, and that just is not the case. It just is not. And I can tell you that right now with the knowledge that I've been given from my source. Now, to be fair, I did play devil's advocate when we were talking about this, and I asked the question, why couldn't this orb be some type of you know, adversarial technology? Could it be from a U.S. adversary, such as you know, a country like China, Russia, or even countries like North Korea or uh, Iran? And I think that it's a question that's it's worth asking, right? I mean, why we, we, we have to ask the questions. We can't just automatically assume it's going to be one thing one way or the other. But here's the thing. I was assured that it simply could, it, it could not be the case. It couldn't be one of those countries. It could not be something for technology from one of those countries, China, Russia, you know, Iran, North Korea, for a couple of reasons. And really, these are reasons I had never really um, considered fully before. So I found it fascinating when I was told this. The first reason being that it's not from one of the adversarial countries of the U.S., and this goes back to something I was also told before by the same source, is that U.S. adversaries do not have this type of technology. Simple, plain, plainly put. They, they just don't have it because the United States doesn't... It, it, basically, if the United States doesn't have it, they don't have it, is, is what I'm trying to get out to you here. Meaning they steal United States technology all the time and are still playing catch-up with the U.S. capabilities. And that's not some, you know, cocky American hubris or, or anything like that. I'm not trying to be like that. I, I'm telling you, it's a statement that is coming from someone who is in the know and who's made sure to remind me that these UFOs, or these UAPs, they're, they're simply defying the laws of physics in ways in which, just in how they move. Okay, we've seen the videos. I'm sure you have the sharp right turns. We've heard the accounts before many times, many stories that we've gone over here. These, uh, you know, instantaneous acceleration. And in fact, there was one thing I was told as far as, because we hear that term a lot. You know, someone like Lou Elizondo talks about instantaneous acceleration as being a hallmark of a true UFO UAP sighting. But what does that mean? What, what is instantaneous acceleration? Well, my source tells me that um, it's basically zero to 2,000 miles per hour or faster. Think about that for a second. Let, let that sink in. Let it compute just for a second. A standstill to suddenly going 2,000 miles per hour. There is not a human being or a biological entity that we know of here on Earth that can survive instantaneous acceleration of zero to then 2,000 miles per hour, just like that in an instant. It's impossible. 
We don't have that capability. And that's what I've been told, that we don't have that capability. It's not in any type of secret technology. That's what I've been told. And our adversaries don't have it because we don't have it. And the example I was given was, think about the SR-71 Blackbird. The turn radius on that, if it was to make a right turn, it would have to take a third of the country for the SR-71 Blackbird to make a right turn. That's the turn radius on that thing. And that's when, you know, it's going 900 miles an hour, 1,000 miles per hour. Now, it might have been able to go faster, but according to my source, uh, that that's all that was ever disclosed was that it was able to go just about 1,000 miles per hour. Now, keep all that in mind because these sightings that are being investigated by Arrow are not some type of U- secret U.S. experiment. Because think about it this way. Why would they spend money to investigate something that's our own secret technology and then talk about the secret technology? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's, that's just not how it works. So simply put, according to my, my military source, if the U.S. does not have that technology, then no one does. And again, I know that sounds like American hubris, and I don't mean it to sound that way, but I, I can't stress enough, that's what I'm being told, okay, by someone who is in that world. The U.S. has the latest technology, the latest capabilities. China and Russia steal that from the United States. Now, could they steal information or technology from the United States and then further it? Absolutely. 100%, right? If you want to play that card, then that is a possibility. Maybe they had a breakthrough off of stolen technology, just like we talk about you know, uh, reverse engineering crashed UFOs. Right, we, we can reverse engineer those things and make technology from it. Maybe China and Russia are doing the same thing with stolen technology from the United States. Is that a possibility? Sure. But again, I've been told that's not the case. So take that for what it's worth. Now, the other point that was made to me that, again, this has to do more with military strategy, which is why I had never really considered this point because I'm not a military strategist. I'm, I was never in the military, but they have all my respect in my admiration. But what I've been told is that in short, if an adversary is going to show off some type of, of advanced technology, okay, let's, let's say this is China or Russia or Iran or, or North Korea or any other country that doesn't necessarily like the United States. If it was theirs, then they would not do it in a way where it's supposed to be a secret or clandestine. They would do it in a way that sends a message now, in my source's words, there must be what, what they call a task. As the example I was given was of the Chinese spy balloon. We all remember that. It was craziness, right? But the point that was being made to me was that it had a task to do, which was to spy on U.S. installations as it flew across the country. Whereas with the Mosul Orb, I was told that there's nothing there. Again, this is coming from someone who served there, who was in Mosul, okay? They were in Iraq. They were in Mosul specifically. There's nothing there. That's what I, I've, I'm not telling you that because I've been to Mosul. I'm telling you because I'm being told from someone who served in Mosul. There's nothing. That's not a place that an adversary would fly secret technology over to send a message. So I was told all of that because in that region, it just doesn't make any sense, militarily speaking, for an adversary to fly something like that over there if, if they want to be noticed. So what's the task in that matter, right? 
to get caught by a surveillance drone? I mean, what what would the task be? Let's just say again, for argument's sake, that this thing belongs to China. The Mosul orbit is from China. They want to fly it over Mosul in the middle of nowhere in Iraq. What would be the task? To get caught so someone sees it? I mean, I don't know. And remember the original point that was made to me as well in my conversation that I had, which is that the U.S. does not, if the U.S. doesn't have the tech, then no one does. So just goes back to if the, if this was United States technology, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick would not be presenting secret U.S. technology to a Senate committee hearing, which means it's not U.S. technology, which means, according to my source, if it's not U.S., then it isn't anybody else. So then what is it? <laughs> I guess that's really the million-dollar question at this point. That's the answer that everyone wants to get. Could it be some type of alien drone used for exploration or topography surveys? Maybe, right? Maybe. And now for the record, I have not been told that, okay? So this is basically where um, my conversation with my military source ends. Everything after this is just me, you and I talking. This is my own conjecture from, from this point. So when I talk about could this be an alien drone, that's used as an exploratory drone or to take surveys of, of the land, of all the, you know, topography surveys. That's my own theory when it comes to the Mosul orb. That's what I think, okay? Now, to complicate matters, though, if they're not already complicated, this, is, this isn't the only orb that has been seen in that area of the world. There was actually another orb that is not being talked about, Um because the video has not been shown like the one that was caught in Mosul from the, the drone. This orb, according to my source, actually, and I'll give you one more bit of information from that conversation that I had, uh, this orb was seen in Baghdad. So that would be a second one reported that we know about anyway that's um, in, a, in that region of Iraq. Now, if that's the case... When I hear that, I can't help but to consider the idea that, that this orb activity in that part of the world in Iraq might, and stay with me here, it might have something to do with the theories of stargates that they were built in ancient times within that region of the Middle East. And I know that sounds like a big leap to make, right? We go from orbs flying over Mosul and, and Baghdad why would they be doing that? Is it to take, you know, land surveys or whatever? But if all the if these things are being seen in, in Iraq, I just I can't help but to think of the reports of these ancient stargates that were supposedly built in that Middle East region in Iraq. And I know that again, that sounds like, you know, really like, whoa, where you come where are you coming with that one? But I can't help but to think of that because we've spoken about that stuff going back to episode twelve. If you I mean that goes back way back in the UAP lineage here, episode 12, when we uh, spoke about stargates and portals in that episode, that was the topic in that episode. And personally, I love that episode because it is a, um, a topic that fascinates me. It really does to think that there might be that ancient technology out there that's being hidden and it is trying to be gained by maybe people on Earth or by entities not of this Earth. Maybe they were using it before and they want to try to use it again. I don't know. But I guess the question now is, really, what, what's next, right? We can come up with theories and conjectures and everything like that. But what's next? Are we going to find out more about this Mosul orb? Personally, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. But you really, I mean, look, you never know. What we do know is that Arrow and Dr. Kirkpatrick will be having another hearing this summer. 
So maybe we're going to find out more then. Because he did mention maybe by June, July, they're going to have another hearing to kind of update on the on these things. All in all, though, as we kind of come to a close, and I know, like I said, this one was kind of different today. It wasn't going deep into, you know, different stories and all. I wanted to update you on what I found out about this because it's such a hot topic right now with the Mosul Orb. And I'm just happy that I was at least able to give you a little more info on this thing than what is really being reported because... A lot of that that I went over with you is is not in the news. Um, I will say this, though, about Arrow and their mission as well to, to kind of finish off for today. I was told that they seemingly do have good intentions when it comes to their investigations and what they're willing to disclose, but they clearly remain guarded and they're only willing to give half-truths at the moment. And I kind of alluded to that at the beginning of this episode. They, they, they specialize in half-truths. Lies by omission, if you will, really. They use tricky terms such as, and this is something I've been told, so now that I know to look for these terms, you can know as well. Um, they use terms like evidence versus confirmed evidence, meaning they might say we don't have confirmed evidence of an alien presence a pre- presence in our, in our galaxy or here on Earth, but that doesn't mean that they don't have evidence. So... They're not discounting all of the firsthand videos and accounts of UFO encounters or alien encounters, but they're saying they don't have confirmed evidence. So that's why they're able to still kind of push things to the side a little bit. I know that's tricky, but that's exactly how they work. And it's intentional, by the way. So I've been told. I know there was a lot of information in in, in this one and Again, I, I wanted you to know what I knew so you can make up your own mind on what's happening with all this, specifically with the Mosul lore, but this can connect to a lot of other things that you hear when it comes to UFO sightings and encounters. But with all this uncertainty comes one fact, and I think it's important to remember this through all, these, the, through all the talk. The video of the Mosul orb is real. It's not doctored. It's not made with CGI. It is something that was recorded by a military drone and cannot be identified. So that is one thing amongst others that I think we should absolutely take away from today's episode. Now that you're all caught up and up to date on the Mosul Orb, before I go, I must give you the update. I spoke about it on social media, on the UAP Twitter, at UAPodcast850. I mentioned that um, There was something that I was going to uh, update you about behind the scenes, something I was really excited about. So to reveal what that is, I'm going to play you this clip first, and it might be a little confusing to hear when it comes on, but it'll help explain everything that's going on. Here it is. So there is a little bit of confusion about um, that close approach point on the first night, but there's no getting away from the fact that the, the, the radar evidence, the radioactivity level, the declassified government documents, they speak for themselves. That was none other than Nick Pope. And if you know him from the ancient aliens, uh, former British Ministry of Defense was the head of that. Uh, I mean, on many different alien shows, documentaries, uh, on speaking tours with ancient aliens, cast and crew. Nick Pope is the real deal. Um, If you are familiar with this world, which I assume you are, since you'd be listening to this show then you know he is a big deal in the UAP community. And I was fortunate enough 
to have him on as a guest. And not only as a guest, obviously it's a recorded interview, and I was able to do that with him during the week. And again, thank you to Nick Pope. Very gracious, uh, great guy, gracious guest. Was awesome. We had a 20-minute conversation because that is going to be, and this is the second part of the uh, the news behind the scenes, now what becomes an announcement, that interview with Nick Pope is going to be on the first episode of the brand new spinoff show for UAP that I will be hosting, producing, writing, everything just like I do for this one right here. And it's going to be called UAP Weekly. And that is something that is going to start um, on, well, next week. So if you're listening to this right now through the weekend and then starting early on next week, I'll give you updates exactly when to expect that first episode to drop with the full interview with Nick Pope. I will let you know exactly when that's going to come out, but it is going to be UAP Weekly. And the idea behind this is to kind of do a more of a um, an update show or even current events when it comes to the UAP world and you know what's happening right now. Here's the news about it. Here's an interview about it. Here's what Nick Pope has to say about it. Here's what my military contact has to say about it. I hope to have an interview with him soon so you could hear from my contact yourself. I'm, just, I'm trying to work that out as well behind the scenes. So th- this it's going to be a different feel. Whereas with UAP, you know, I give you the stories, you make up your own mind, I give you the details, the commentary, and we have that discussion about it, and then you make up your own mind in the end on on those encounters and the stories that we spoke about during the episode. With UAP Weekly, it's going to be, well, every week is the plan um, to keep you up to date on the latest talk, the latest videos, the latest speculation, you know, uh, Senate hearings, interviews that I'll be able to bring on with you as well to keep you up to date with everything that is going on in the UAP UFO world. So something I'm really excited about. I hope you'll be excited about it too. It's going to be mean more UAP. So if, if you like the show and if you can tolerate me, um, then hopefully you'll enjoy UAP Weekly as well. Again, because it's going to have a little bit different feel. We'll have interviews and things like that. And then UAP isn't going anywhere. Don't worry, I'm not stopping that. UAP Weekly will be in addition to what I do right now on UAP. So we'll have more episodes, of course, coming up on your every, you know, your everyday UAP that you are used to right now. But again, that first episode, UAP Weekly, will feature uh, myself and Nick Pope in a, what amounted to about a 20-minute or so interview. Um, and I'm really excited for you to hear it because he was great. And actually, we were talking about Rendlesham Forest. If you're wondering what he was talking about in that clip, we were talking about the famous case that happened in 1980 in England in Rendlesham Forest with, uh, the, I mean, U.S. soldiers seen over a couple of nights. This ship comes down. They have a close encounter with it. There's a whole story to it. If you're not familiar, that's way back when we did that episode. I think it was like episode maybe one or two. Uh, it was it was in there. It was definitely in the first five episodes of UAP where we covered that. So if you want to get familiar with that, if you're not familiar with it, you can go back and listen if you haven't yet. So just to recap, UAP Weekly starting soon. You'll hear that interview with Nick Pope, and that's going to be something new every single week to go along with what I already do here on UAP. So super excited to get it started, and hopefully you're excited too, and you're going to enjoy it all as it all comes out.
And I'm really excited for you to hear that uh, that uh, interview with Nick Pope because we covered a lot of ground with a lot of different subjects, and he was great. And we covered a lot of ground here today, actually, and I guess this episode wasn't uh, short like I thought it was going to be. Are they ever really, though? There's always something that comes up here when we're talking on UAP. But all that said, that'll do it for now on episode 68. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you're ready to look forward to some more UAP in the very near future, and especially on episode 69. As that comes up, we're going to go down under. There's some stories in Australia that I really want to get to that have intrigued me for a long time. So I'm looking forward to covering those with you on the next UAP for episode 69. But until then, make sure to continue to download and subscribe to the show, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, check us out on Twitter at UAPodcast850. You can follow the show there. Contact me with any of your stories, questions, concerns, feedback. I read every message and I try to respond to everything as well. But until next time, until then, be well. Stephen Diener right here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. I will talk to you again soon.